0: Good morning, uh, welcome to CVC, my name is Joe Valenti, I'm one of the youth pastors here, I work with our sixth through 12th graders, and uh, as usual, I preached way too long in the first service, so we're gonna go ahead and jump into it. If you would turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 15, we're gonna start in verse 14 today, and these, this is where Paul begins his conclusion, uh, he's kind of wrapping up all of Romans. So uh, we'll dig into that here in just a second, if you would bow and let's pray, and we'll go to God's word. <clears throat> Father, thank you for this morning and for this book that has challenged us um, and encouraged us and taught us. And Lord, we pray as we kind of wrap up this study that we would continue to wrestle with the things that we've learned from Romans. And that ultimately, it would not just be a book that teaches us things, but a book that teaches us things so that our lives might be different, so that things might change, so the things that come out of us would be Christ-centered, Holy Spirit-empowered, and for the glory of God. So help us this morning open our eyes to see truth. Help me, Father, to preach uh, in a way that, um, that is without error, that... Um, I would explain your word with integrity. In your name we pray, amen. This morning, we're gonna go through the beginning part of Paul's conclusion, and I see six things that are in this text, and as we go through, you might be like, man, like, these are really disjointed things. Like, this guy's all over the place. Who put him up there? Um, But I really think that that that's what's in the text. Like, when you write a letter to somebody, right, you might write all these things, and then the end of the letter, you kind of sum things up, uh, and so that's, that's kind of what Paul is doing. He's kind of wrapping things up. And so I have six points this morning. One of the things I'm going to ask you to do real quick is, uh, this is not announcements time, but if you've got a program, there's this little thing in, in, in here. The one side says introduce yourself. The other side says response card. And uh, I'm going to ask you real quick just while I start, if you would fill out the introduce yourself part, just like... Name, name, address, phone number, and here's why. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you guys to some, to some pretty serious stuff today. I'm going to ask you to respond to some things, and uh, for, this, for the sake of time at the end, if you just knock the easy part out now, like name, phone number, email, uh, we don't have to worry about it later. So um, you, can, you can, you know, zone out for a while and, uh, and do that while I preach. I won't be offended uh, because I want you to be able to respond at the end, all right? Six things that we see uh, at the end of this letter. Number one, if you're taking notes, be encouraged. Be encouraged, starting in verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder. So Paul here is using a tactic that a lot of us use, uh, you know, when you have to kind of challenge somebody, uh, you, know, like, you know, you might say like some good things about them first, you know, uh, like you, you might say, honey, uh, you know, wives, you might say to your husbands, honey, I, I love you, and I love that you work hard, and man, you take care of us, but if, if you don't put away your laundry, I'm going to freak out. Right, like you might, like you always start with like the nice stuff, and then you kind of, you know, then you kind of drop the hammer. Well, that's kind of what Paul's doing. He he has never been to Rome. He's never met the Romans, and they're probably wondering. He assumes that they're wondering, hey, like I thought, I thought things were going pretty well here. I I think we get the gospel message. I think we're trying to live it out. Like, why have you written us such a lengthy, theologically dense letter? Like, are we are we are we screwing up? And Paul here is being gentle with them, and he's kind of saying, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not writing to chastise you or to scold you about something. Um, there's some things that I'm encouraged about, but I also, I just want to remind you. I want to remind you about some things that are very, very important. And so, as I looked at this, Paul encourages the Roman church in a certain way. He says that you are full of goodness filled with all knowledge and are able to instruct one another. Now, those statements are stuck in the first century. Paul wrote those things at a specific time to a specific church about who they were. So we can't take them and apply them to CVC. We can go, oh, well, Paul wrote it to the Romans, so we must be full of goodness and knowledge and able to instruct. But there's an overarching theme of encouragement as Paul opens up this conclusion and, and I wanted to encourage you all. I wanted to encourage you in a few ways. One, you have studied through and stuck it out through an entire study through the book of Romans, which is no small feat. Romans is one of the most hefty books in the whole Bible when it comes to teaching. Uh, I asked Pastor Chad, like, hey, if, if you were gonna encourage our church, what, what are some things that you would say and he said, man, they're faithful, they're generous, they're caring, they're a true community, they're hungry students of the word, and they're poised for what's next. You know, as I considered how to encourage you guys this morning, I was thinking about the fact that this is the only job I've had since college. I came right out of college to CBC, and I've been here uh, for over 10 years. And you've probably not pulled out like, you know, your youth ministry handbook or uh, you know, like a study on youth ministry lately. But if you were to, you would read some statistics that are pretty sad. Most youth pastors don't last very long. A couple years, usually, and then they, they quit. They fade, they're burnt out, their families are a mess, uh, and they, a lot of them never go back into ministry because their churches are so hard on them and expect so much of them that they physically, emotionally, spiritually can't handle it. And so I just want to say, like, I'm thankful to be here, to have, we have two youth pastors, myself and Rick, our other youth pastor, we've both been here for over 10 years. And like, that's something I want to encourage you with, like, there are a lot of churches that push their pastors out, that put so much pressure on them and push them so hard and expect so much out of them that they can't spend time with their wives, they can't spend time with their families, and they like 7,000 churches close every year. So I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of a body of believers that honestly cares about me and my family. I hope you know that I care about you and your families. I, 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 love, I love to walk in these doors on Sunday mornings. I love coming to work every day. I, I, I said the other service, I love when you walk in the front doors that you see Frank the biker. Hallelujah, right? Like, when, when, you walk in the, <laughs> when you walk in the front doors, you're kind of like, hey, this place is kind of cool. Maybe everybody's not, you know, in a suit and tie and perfect, right? Like, you walk in and Frank's like, hey, brother, like, and automatically you feel like, oh, man, maybe this is a place I belong. Maybe this is a place where I can come with my past. Maybe this is a place where I can come with my baggage. Maybe this is a place where somebody will finally accept me for who I am. And here's the thing. I want to be very clear. CVC, this church, this building, this stuff is not the end-all be-all. It is far from it. Jesus is the main thing, right? The good news of Jesus Christ is the main thing. But if we have a place where people feel comfortable and loved and part of a community and people are generous, what do... That, that makes it easy to do what our mission is, to invite people to new life in Christ. If people walk in the doors and they feel stuffy and not cared for and like everybody's too good for them and I can't find a seat, how's it, how do we invite people to new life in Christ? We can't. But I just want to encourage you, CVC, as we get going, this is a place where we do that. Where we don't just be nice for the sake of being nice or whatever, but we really have a passion to invite people to new life in Christ because he is the one who can restore broken people. Amen? Yeah. Amen. All right. I did the encouragement, now the hard stuff. <laughs> That's what Paul does, honestly. Here's a, li- listen, listen to this. I myself am satisfied about you, brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and able to instruct one another, but on some points... I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified for the Holy Spirit. And so what Paul does there is he says, hey, there's some good things. I want to remind you about these things. And even though I've not been to see you, the reason that I can remind you about these things is because they are global truths that God has given me a responsibility to share with everyone, specifically the Gentiles. I was thinking about this last night. My wife and I went on a date, and I was tired. I had a middle school event here, and middle schoolers tired me. It's just like you know, reality. And uh, so I said, hey, could you drive? That'd be great. And so I'm sitting in the passenger seat and we're coming out, you know, of our house on the street and there's some construction and stuff and we're driving along and I go, stop sign, stop sign, stop sign, stop sign, (laughs) stop (laughs) sign. And she goes, I drive this road every day. You don't think I know there's a stop sign here? And I go, check. You hit the brakes a little late. <laughs> I'm just making sure. Just like what Paul's like, hey, I'm just reminding you, right? Like, there's some really good things about your driving. Braking. <clears throat> <laughs> I love you. Uh, right, but that's, that's kind of what Paul's doing here. Hey, there's some really good things, but I want to I wanna remind you about some things. And as we look back over the whole of Romans... There are some really hefty things in Romans, not just that are good ideas, but that we must believe. We must believe them. Some of them are these, our utter sinfulness and separation from God because of it. The righteousness of God, the penalty for our sin, our desperate need for Jesus Christ. Instructions on how to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The details that a relationship with Jesus isn't earned, but that it comes by grace, through faith. An explanation on how faith comes about, how we ought to live once we have come to Christ in faith how to live in the spirit, the everlasting and immense love of God, God's sovereignty, and many more things that we have learned over these last weeks in Romans. And Paul's just saying, hey, these are, these are eternal things. These are huge things. These are really, really important things. And so I'm writing to you to remind you of them. And so I want to I challenge you, CBC. Not, we're not done with Romans Go back in your life group, in your personal study, go back. If there are things that are like, ah, I didn't like that. I don't want to believe that. I don't quite grasp that. Go back and dig into it because the things that are in Romans, the teachings that are in Romans are important and weighty and they have eternity in them. I want to draw your attention to two of them real quickly before we move on. The first thing is this. The first thing is this, the only way to restore your brokenness, to have your sins forgiven, to have your relationship with God mended, to have an opportunity to go to heaven, to enter into God's family, is by entering into relationship with Jesus Christ by grace through faith. Now that may seem elementary, and basic, but it's astounding to me as a pastor how many people I talk to that don't know that, in this church that don't know that, and we preach it every single week. You can't come to church enough, you can't give enough, you can't be good enough. The only way to have your sins forgiven, to enter into a relationship with Jesus to fix what is broken, to have the relationship with God restored is to accept the forgiveness of Jesus Christ by grace, through faith, free gift, not earned, okay? Number two, number two super important thing, and honestly, this is kind of the way that Romans works itself out, is they're all like that, how to come into relationship with God and then what to do after that. Number two is this. If you call yourself a Christian, if you've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've repented of your sin, asked him to come into your life and change things, he will, and your life ought to look different. The things that you used to do should change. Having sex outside of marriage ought to change. The things that you look at ought to change. The way that you treat your spouse and your children ought to change. The way that you respond to people at work, the way you are honest with your time at work. A hundred other things ought to change because of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's what Paul tells us. You're no longer enslaved to sin. You're dead to sin. You're alive in Christ. And that makes things different. And so if you're here, hear me really, really clearly. If you're here and you're claiming to be a Christ follower, but nothing has changed, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself and you're in great danger of being in a company of people that Matthew 7 says will stand before God on the day of judgment and think, I said a prayer one day and God will say, depart from me. I don't know who you are. Because just saying some words and not allowing the Holy Spirit to come and change, not repenting of that sin continuing to live however you want is not the good news of Jesus. The the good news of the gospel is not, let me say a prayer so I can punch my ticket and still live however I want. That's not reality. So don't lie to yourself. We need to be growing in the truth of the Bible, reminding ourselves of the gospel and reminding ourselves that the gospel ought to be changing us. It ought to cause us to live differently Martin Luther, there's a story uh, that's told about Martin Luther that one of his parishioners came up to him and said, Pastor, you preach the good news of Jesus, the gospel, every week. As if they were ready to move on to some more deep and mature things. And his response was, I preach the gospel to you every week because every week you forget it. Right? So that's why Paul says, him writing these things to you to remind you about what you must believe, not optional. Be encouraged, number two, be growing, number three, be sharing. And this came up, uh, I, I, I wrote my points and the ladies in the office printed out the program and then I changed my mind, but it was already printed, it was too late. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Right beside, be sharing, put a little parentheses and write, obedient. Because that's what it's more about, being obedient. Verse 17, in Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So what do you see here with Paul? you see Paul explaining how he has fulfilled the ministry, the call on his life that God has given him. And what Paul has done is Paul is a career missionary from Jerusalem all the way around the coast of the the Mediterranean Sea up through Syria, Galatia, Macedonia, and into Greece. That is the area that Paul ministered in. And he says, "That's, that's what I have done. I have fulfilled the call, the ministry that God has given me. Now, you and I have not been called from Jerusalem to Illyricum, right? We have been, some of you have been called from Broadview Heights to downtown. You work down there, you live here, so everywhere in between is your ministry area. For some of you, you come to church in Broadview Heights and you live in Northfield. So, like from here to there, that is where God has called me to be. Maybe you work on the west side or down in Akron, maybe you live over in North Royalton, or you live way out in Bainbridge, God has planted each of us, like Pastor Chad said, somewhere for a reason. You live in the community that you live in, you work at the job that you work in, you, you, know, you pump iron at the gym that you pump iron at, whatever it happens to be, you have a context of life that God has put you in and has called you to be obedient in, to share the good news of Jesus in. He has not put you in your community just to live there and hang out and cut your grass. Right? He's called us to something else. He's put you there for a reason. And so Paul's saying, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel in this area that God has called me to. What about you? What about me? We have this context of our family. Are you discipling your children? Are you spending time with them? We have spouses? Are you working out your Christ-likeness in your relationship with your spouse? Are you preaching the gospel to your spouse? What about your extended family? What about the guys on either side of you in the community? What about the guy or the gal at the gym or that sits across from you in the office or the person who's on PTA board with you? Are you fulfilling the ministry of the gospel? Are you sharing the good news? Are you being obedient in every moment to listen to what the Holy Spirit says, even when it's hard? Paul had some really difficult decisions to make. And every time he has those decisions, he chooses to follow what God has called him to do. In Acts 26, he's talking to King Agrippa about uh, when, when he got the vision from God to go and preach, and he tells King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. In Acts 16, Paul wants to go to Asia, and it says, the Holy Spirit stops him from going to Asia. Don't go there, go here. The other day, I was in my garage working, and I just felt this nudge like, hey, go talk to your neighbor, and he was over there, and I thought he was working on his truck, and I went over, and I talked to him, And uh, we just, I said, you know, how's your daughter doing? Some other things. It didn't, it it didn't lead anywhere, right? It wasn't like I shared Jesus with him in that moment, like while he was on his phone or that he broke down crying about his messed up life. Like I just felt the Lord say, go talk to him. And so I did. And I was obedient in that moment. One of the things that I talk to our students about all the time is that we just need to be obedient every step of the way. Lord, what do you want me to do today? And at every crossroads, listen to the Holy Spirit, be reminded of the things that that we know from God's word, and make the choices that he prompts us to make. Are you being obedient? Are you sharing the good news in your context? We have... First, be encouraged, two, be growing, three, be sharing, four, be going. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. Just realized that. Sorry. Verse 20, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Isn't it interesting that Paul says, since I no longer have any work to do in these regions? There's work to do now in those regions. One of the most messed up regions in the whole planet. Surely there's work to do. But Paul gives us a model for missions here that we ought to follow. He says, I'm not going to go continue to preach the gospel where Christ has been named, but I'm going to move on to where Christ has not been named. Let me give you a stat. uh, You may or may not know this. There are over 3 billion people in the world that have never heard the story of Jesus. Let that sink in for a minute. That's about half that live on islands or up in mountains or in areas that are so spiritually oppressed by Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism that there's no access for missionaries. Three billion people. Not people who have rejected the good news of Jesus, people who have never heard it. People who have never heard that there is saving and forgiveness of sins and hope for the brokenhearted in Jesus. And Paul says, I've preached the gospel here. I've fulfilled that mission that God has given me. And now I'm gonna move to Spain. I'm gonna go there where Christ has not been named. And I'm not calling all of you to move to Spain or to go on to frontier missions where the unreached are. But we have this overarching premise here that this is the way that we ought to do missions, that we ought to continue to reach The unreached. When I say unreached, it means that that people group has less than 2% Christians in the people group. And we're passionate about that at CVC. That's one of the ways that we do missions. We go to the unreached. It's another thing to be encouraged about. That we care about people who don't know. Let me read something to you. This is from Romans 1. Against all unrighteousness, like we learned in week two. And the only way, the only way for people to come to relationship in Jesus is to hear about it. And then Paul says this in Romans 10 For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that good news? And then he says this How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Several years ago, we had a vision to reach the Enzema people in Ghana, Africa, an unreached people group that were less than 2% Christian. You wanna know what's exciting? Because of the work of CVC and your dollars and missionaries going out from here, the Enzima people have been reached with the good news of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It's gone gone so far that they now have the West Ghana Baptist Convention. (laughs) And they're training pastors. And Ron Cleveland and the Gustafsons and others are working on a medical clinic there. But we've reached them. Is the work totally done? But no, the the message of the gospel has been proclaimed. And so just like Paul moves to Spain, we have moved on to another people group as a church. And you may have heard about them. We call them the Soli people. They're on an island in Southeast Asia called Pearl Island. And we have friends there that are reaching those people. There were 3 million people on this little island and maybe 50 believers And I got to go there this past summer with some teenagers and we spent time on the island talking to people who are completely bound in the clutches of Islam. Have no hope of heaven. Every single one of them is gonna die and go to hell. Unless somebody takes the good news to them. Unless somebody will go and talk and share Jesus with them. Look at what Paul says. He, he bases his plans on the promises of God in verse 21. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. Understand. And so we go to those people on that island, just like we went to the Enzima people, because we believe that around the throne of God in the end will be every tribe and every tongue and every nation. There will be people who will respond to the good news of Jesus, whose eyes will be open to the truth, whose hearts will be changed, and they will be added to the body of Christ. People on that island, solely people on that island. And so we went. Several teams have gone. And I'm asking you this morning, will you go? Will you go? Will you go to the other side of the world? Like that's a real question. I want you to think about it. I was, I was on Skype today with our missionary over there and I told him this is, what I'm gonna, this is one of my points, man. And he goes, well how many people are you hoping that will respond? And I said, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will fill your summer with people from CBC whose hearts are broken, that there are people who've never heard about Jesus. We go. We take some time off work You forego the vacation? Would you go? It's one of the most important things in the whole world. It's one of the most important things in the whole world to take the good news to the unreached. Number four, be going. And number five is similar, be sending. Number 22, or sorry, verse 22. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now since I no longer have any work in these regions and since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So Paul has not had time to go visit the Roman church because he's walking and he's like, ah. Eh, I'm in the Middle East, don't have time to walk over to Rome right now. More important things to do, namely share the gospel. But now I'm going to Spain. I'm going to the unreached, and I'm coming through Rome. And what does he he expect? I expect to be helped to get to Spain by you. I expect that you are going to put food in my rucksack as I travel. I expect that you are going to take a collection and put some money in my pocket so I can go to the unreached. I'm going to expect that there's a place where I can sleep and be refreshed and bathe so that I can go to Spain. I want to be helped there by you. And so I'm going to ask another question because I think we see a biblical mandate in the heart of our church is to go to the unreached. Maybe you can't go this summer. Maybe you can't go next summer. Maybe it's your work schedule, maybe it's the responsibilities that you have here at home, maybe it's uh, a health issue that you can't fly that long or like, and that's okay. Here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you if you would be like the Roman church and if you would send people to the unreached. Would you be a financial partner to send people to the unreached? It's not cheap. It's not cheap to fly to the other side of the world and to spend time in that country for the cause of Christ. It costs about $3,000, maybe a little bit more. But listen to this. If everybody that comes to a service on a weekend at CVC gave two bucks, two bucks, we could send somebody to Indo. We could send somebody, we'd have all the money. If everybody just said, here's my two bucks, we've got a missionary. If everybody gave four bucks, we've got two. Six bucks, we have half of a team. If everybody gave ten bucks on a weekend, we'd completely fund a team to go this summer for two weeks. I think that's astounding. That if everybody, you, we spend, I spend 10 bucks on junk. Gum, coffee, you know, something that catches my eye. I'm like, oh, this is fun, right? We spend 10 bucks on junk. If we were just, hey, 10 bucks. And so here's, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you, at the end of this service, I'm gonna ask you to commit to give. I'm not asking about anything else, not the programs at CVC, not other mission trips. And I've been given permission to do this by Pastor Chad. I was like, can I do this? I'm gonna, ask you, I'm gonna ask you to sign up on this response card later that says, hey, when you've got a team ready to go to the solely people, to go to the unreached, send me an email and I'll give a little bit of money above and beyond my tithe. I'm not asking you to give hundreds of dollars, church. I'm just saying, hey, put me on the list And you'll get an email that says, we've got a team. They're ready to go. They're trained. They're going to fly to the other side of the world. they're going to share the good news of Jesus with people who have never heard it. Are you ready? And you go, yep, I'm ready. Here's my 10 bucks. And if we can get a bunch of people to do that, we can stop wasting a ton of time on fundraising and worry about training and prayer and the other thing, like the evangel- there's a specific evangelism method that we need to use. And so I'm going to ask you to do that. Would you be a sender like the church in Rome? That's what Paul expects. And this is bold, but I, ex- I expect that from CVC. You guys are super generous, so don't hear me saying that you're not. I have no doubt that all those food bags will be filled up and that there'll be tons of Christmas presents out there at Christmas and that we're gonna send missions teams all over the United States. We're gonna provide people with food and homeless people with shelter and we're gonna take the good news to Appalachia and Dan Marshall's gonna lead teams all over the US to do disaster relief and I'm excited and I know that's gonna happen but we, we've got to go to the unreached. We've got to take the good news to the people who have never heard it. It's a biblical mandate. It's at the heart of Romans. And so will you go and will you send? Finally, be praying. Verse 30, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of all peace be with you, amen. Here's the final thing I'm gonna ask and it's, it's a little bit disjointed, but it's, but it's not. I'm gonna ask you to pray For those that are in full-time ministry, like Paul, that's what he asked the Church of Rome to do. Hey, would you? He doesn't say, um, "Pray for us all." He says, "Would you pray for me? I'm going into dangerous places. I've got to deal with dangerous things. I'm taking this message to people, and Satan doesn't want that to happen. Would you? Would you pray for me?" Steve Fox, a friend of mine, put something out on Facebook this week. He encouraged people to pray for their pastors and I was super thankful for it. And one of the stats on there was that 7,000 churches close every year. That pastors are riddled with depression and addictions and loneliness because of the pressure that it's put on them. Satan has this strategy, and it works a lot. If you knock down the lead pin, a lot of the other ones fall. If Pastor Chad fails, if he's not faithful to his wife and to his children and to his personal health and well-being, the ramifications of that are thousands, thousands of people. I'm not trying to prop him up as more important than you or myself as more important than you. I'm just saying it's reality. It's reality that our our pastors get beat up. There's a spiritual big fat bullseye on our backs. Satan would love to kill us. Would love to ruin our testimony. Would love that I would fail so that in your mind, you go everything that Joe Valeni said, I doubt now. Everything that Chad Allen said, I don't know if I can believe him. Would you pray for our missionaries that are on the other side of the world? They had a sick daughter this fall. They weren't sure what was wrong. They had to fly to another country so the doctors could try and save her life. The devil hates them. Hates that they're taking the good news to people who have not been reached. Hates that the bonds of Islam are being broken in Southeast Asia. Would you pray for them? I'm gonna ask you to go back to this sheet as we close. Hopefully you've filled out this little introduce yourself part. And if you flip to the other side of it, there's, there's a few things in response here to each of my points. Be growing, be sharing, be going, be sending, be praying. Would you read through those and just consider them? Maybe there are things in Romans that you need to grow in, that you need to wrestle through. Get some books, spend some time in prayer, ask some brothers, call one of us pastors. We'd love to help you grow in those things. Maybe you need to grow in being a life house. Maybe you need to grow in your sharing. Open this book up. I don't have a lot of good ideas for doing that, like for being a missionary in my community, but this book has some really good ideas. We have some guys on our staff that are really good strategy guys. There's a really cool picture of Ron Dickin here. Ron's doing some really cool things in his community. There's some others that have good ideas. Check this out. Utilize it. Go back to Romans and see how Paul commands us to live with one another. Are you ready to go? Are you Are ready to go to Southeast Asia? If you check this box, I'm not going to put you on a plane immediately. But if you check this box, it says, be going. I'm interested. This is just like, hey, I... I'd love to come to an information meeting. If there's any little nudge in your spirit when I said, will you go? I'm just gonna ask that you step out in faith and check that box. Just come to the information meeting. We'll send you an email about it, so make sure that your email is on here or your phone number. Maybe you're in the next group of people that says, hey, I can't go right now. I can't get off of work or it's, uh, it's you know, p- prohibitive to my health, but you wanna be on that sending list. You wanna be on that sending list. And we're not gonna bug you about money for anything else if you check that box. This is, I wanna be on the list on the team that will send people to the unreached. I will do it because it's in my heart and it's in the Bible and it matters to me. Would you check that box and be on that list so that we can, we can fill our missionary schedule this summer? I was on Skype with him this week And he had a big smile on his face. And he said, get this, man. Two people just came to faith in Jesus Christ this week. Right? Hallelujah. Two people came to faith in Jesus Christ that were headed to hell. And because of the money that goes out from this church and the other Southern Baptist churches in the USA, because of the ground that we continue to till on Pearl Island. People are coming to faith. The promises of God are coming true. Will you send people to do that work? And finally, will you pray? Will you pray for our missionaries? Would you pray for our pastors? Would you pray for our staff? Would you pray for our leaders? And I'm not just saying like, oh yeah, I'll say a prayer. Like, Would you check that box and say like, I'm going to commit to pray for these guys, to wage war for them and their families and spiritual realms. The only, the only reason that I have been here for 10 years serving faithfully with a wife and two kids is because of the prayers of the saints. I love you guys. I'm so thankful for who you are, that you don't take the Bible lightly, that you don't take missions lightly. Let's continue to fight, CBC, to live like this book matters. It should change everything that we do, here and abroad. Be encouraged, because we are a church that lives like we are Changed, But be reminded, we're not done. We are not done. Until the trumpet sounds, my challenge to you is that we kick it up another gear. That the good news, the wonderful news of salvation in Jesus Christ would be proclaimed all throughout Cleveland and the United States and to the ends of the world. Amen.